Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You'll find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My name is Adam Homie, and I am once again honored as your host by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. The Business Creators Radio Show takes you to those places in the field where you have those mastermind meetings and aha moments that can change your trajectory or at least bring you a little bit closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Today, I come to you sitting on my purple couch in my sumptuous Las Vegas apartment here in what some call the hottest city in America. I am joined by one of the members of our podcast production team, Princess Stella Juliana, who is kind of giving me a look of judgment as she rubs against the laptop here and i'm afraid she'll push that one button and manages to shut everything down we'll get through this and i really do want to dive in here because this is about the power of incrementality in affiliate marketing which excites me because number one it uses a big word incrementality and number two because i think a lot of us have been trying to figure out how to make affiliate marketing actually work is this simply a matter of generating and sending out swipe files is it making sure your link has the right modifier on it what is going on here and how do you develop new streams of revenue multiple streams of revenue through affiliate marketing now i have somebody with us who is going to show us a new point of view her name is chelsea holt and is director of client services at acceleration partners chelsea leads the strategic oversight and function of their enterprise level client portfolios and teams she's with the acceleration partners since 2017 and has been an integral part of its u.s key account team growth since she team working with several fortune 500 companies she brings over eight years of partnership marketing experience and prior to joining acceleration partners she worked both network and digital agency side outside of work you can find her whipping up a new meal idea from scratch due to her passion for cooking traveling or supporting several dog rescues that are near and dear to her heart so she's got the dogs taken care of i've got the cats taken care of we're going to triangulate and then we're going to team up on the bunny rabbit so chelsea Colt, come on in. The weather's fine. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. My uh, my dog will definitely appreciate joining forces on this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I read off your official bio. It's so impressive. I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be here, and this is my show. So what I want to do is before we get into some of this affiliate marketing stuff and this new point of view that I think many of our listeners are very excited about, what I want to do is have you pull back the curtain and show us a bit about, in your own words, your journey and how it's brought you to where you are serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I was thinking back, um, customer service has really been at the heart of my career experience, even outside of the industry that I'm in today, uh, even from the time when I obtained my first job around 16 years old, I was in the food service industry, working in the healthcare industry within that function, quickly transitioned into fine dining service industry, and also retail. So service and excellence are, are two items that definitely are ingrained to me uh, within my core. Uh, while I was working many of these job functions while going to school full time, I found a lot of passion within marketing and information science technologies that didn't come to me very easily. And it definitely took some time to, to kick off there. I was someone where when I was thinking about going to college, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, 
But looking back, um, the writing was on the wall that I would have ended up in client services somehow just due to my past experience. And so what was really interesting of working within marketing and information science technologies at the time, I got to nurture that creative part of my brain through the marketing piece. But the information science technology piece of it also nurtured that more logical and systematic portion of my brain. Um, I quickly stumbled upon digital marketing while I was still in college due to an internship that I took. I stumbled in affiliate marketing. I started only because it was a paid internship. I had no idea what it was, what it entailed or what I was going to be doing. Um, And that quickly led me into working full time as well with my first job offer. So I started at a very small boutique digital marketing agency where we ran uh, SEO, PPC, affiliate, even some website design. We were then acquired by an affiliate uh, tracking platform, which was called Pepper Jam at the time. You may have known it as eBay Enterprise. If you're familiar with the industry, it's now part A little bit. Yeah. So I was there for a little bit of time. And then in 2017, I was looking to shake it up um, and go back to the agency side, which is where I have been since. I've been very fortunate to have worked on our key account team uh, for the entirety of my tenure here at Acceleration Partners. I was one of the first three senior associates within this department, and I now oversee it, which has been a full circle moment where we have very much more (laughs) than just three senior associates. Um, working with some of the largest brands in the world. So it's been a very interesting um, and fun journey diving right into this industry. And I found a passion for it. And I I find it so exciting because it changes all the time, Uh, which is definitely one of the reasons why I'm here today. Because when I first started in the industry, the word incrementality wasn't really even a, a buzzword at the time. It was more so a bit of a taboo where CMOs may have questioned, you know, what this channel is really about. Is it providing value? Is it really just cannibalizing on paid search efforts? And we've definitely innovated beyond some of those assumptions to show that affiliate could be one of the most incremental and valuable channels within the digital marketing ecosystem. And this is something I've been in online marketing for 20 years. And we were discussing in the green room that during that entire phase, people have been looking for this unicorn known as the affiliate manager, this yeah. magical person who has pockets full of fairy dust and a bag of tricks so heavy they need a little red wagon to haul it along that somehow just by their very existence causes affiliates to generate huge referrals of high ticket sales that lead to the payment of generous commissions and grow your business literally overnight. Yeah, yeah, I definitely affiliate includes a a bag of tricks that you need in order to be successful. But aside for that fairy dust, which I'm still looking for, it definitely takes a lot of hard work to uh, to see that success, which I'm excited to pull the curtain back on a bit today with you. Right. Absolutely. And I have a personal interest in this. Not only am I the host of the Business Creators Radio Show, I'm the number one listener sitting right in the audience in the front row with my pad of paper, uh, my two pens, and my cats trying to steal my pens. So, uh, first thing is I'd like it if you could, and again, because I I love big words, incrementality. What does that mean? Yes. It's a a great question and something that really excites me. I I also sit as the subject matter expert of incrementality here at Acceleration Partner. So I've had the pleasure to talk to a lot of clients in and outside my portfolio and do a lot of training with team members on it. And instead of thinking about what a maybe rigid definition could be for incrementality, which definitely is a, a big word that I still sometimes misspell when I'm typing too quickly, What I really like to talk to people about is it's much more useful to perceive it as a concept versus a one size fits all approach. Very similar to, you know, how someone that lives in Maine within the United States could have a very different perspective of what weather is and what it means to be warm in July. That could be totally different than, say, someone that lives in Texas, right? Uh, 
a warm 80 degrees in Maine may be a cool 80 degrees in Texas on any given right. day. And so right. when I talk to my clients, when they say, I want to focus on incrementality, I want the channel to be more incremental. I really encourage them and ask them, what is their definition or what is their goal of what incrementality means to them? Um, if I could give you a blanket definition just to set the stage and what I talk to clients about is we would basically say that incrementality at a high level is the measurement of your marketing channel efficacy by breaking it down into measurable increments. So that could be tying spend or any other input to a specific outcome, right? Like if I pay $500 for this article, what is the outcome that I'm looking to achieve here. It's also identifying specific interactions that propel customers from a passive state to an active state in any given direction. It could also be a way to measure that if action A didn't take place, your expected outcome would not have occurred either. So there's a few and there's a lot of different ways that we measure it and talk about it. But it's basically identifying what that input is and the output and managing the effectiveness of it. I never was any good at math. Uh, when it comes to statistics, I usually hire other people to draw me extremely simple pie charts and then tell me where the money is. So right. when I listen to this, I think this is all fantastic. As I said, I love big words, but how do we apply this to affiliates? Like what are some of the practical strategies? Absolutely. So when a client comes to us and asks these questions around how could I apply incremental actions within the affiliate channel or how do we create success within this topic, I like to ask them a lot of questions first. Um, so I'll share some of those with you now to really set the stage. Um, the first one being is, do they have an internal definition for incrementality? It varies by right. brand. A small SMB is not going to have the same incrementality goals as a Fortune 500 company with a very vast and robust digital marketing ecosystem and budget. So we first like to understand what are they actually looking to achieve here? What's the desired action within the affiliate channel that you're hoping to succeed with? Um, we also like to you know, clear the air and put it all on the table ask them, are there specific partner types where you may feel are more incremental and why? A very common uh, conversation that is had is, you know, toolbar or browser extensions or coupon or reward partners aren't as incremental as a content site or a review site or any type of performance PR publication. So we would like to just understand what their gut reaction is when we're talking about this so that we could understand how to weight all of this type of performance. Uh -huh. What are the metrics that you consider most important, right? This is also so different to any brand, depending on where they are within their, their marketing journey and their life cycle. So is it new customer revenue? Is it cart abandonment or increased uh, basket size? Is it measuring, you know, the channel performance between interactions within email and direct and paid search and SEO and affiliate and how do all of those interact? Do they cannibalize each other? Are they working with each other? Um, or how would you just define your current customer? And do they align with your target customer? There's also a lot of times that we find a brand wants a certain target customer, but that's actually not their current customer market. So before we go out and do all of this testing, which might be including audience segmentation, we like to understand what are the customers that are actually purchasing the product versus the customers that you want to purchase the product so we could effectively tell that story. So when we look at how we actually take it into real life, it starts with gathering a lot of those different questions. And then mm -hmm. we put together a robust plan that identifies where we are today, right? Like what is our benchmark within the top KPIs that are important for a client? What's the gap and where do they want to be? And so that incrementality testing and strategy is taking that gap so that we could bring us to that goal and then be able to effectively optimize following that. Um, so that is kind of at a high level what we like to 
consider when we are starting to have these conversations in regards to incrementality with a client. So um, it all takes those questions and then identifying what those KPIs are. Once we have those KPIs, say if it's, you know, increased AOV at a certain benchmark or a new customer rate, we're then executing on it. But there's also a few considerations and expectations I like to set up front with a client as well, um, which I'll also share with you because they're extremely important when you are curating a robust incrementality strategy. Um, if you're familiar with affiliate marketing, for those who are listening, the publishers that you're working with may not even know what is most valuable to you. So you need to start having those conversations with publishers from day one. If they're not meeting your goals within a ROAS or an AOV, what have you, start sharing that type of data so that when we're going to test, they're not totally shocked that we're bringing this conversation to them, maybe changing their commission rates or changing yeah. how we interact with them. Uh, the other one is, uh, again, all brands are unique, especially when you consider the level of brand awareness and consumer perspectives on offers and your target customers. So that means these incrementality goals also need to be unique. If you go out to a conference and you're chatting with, you know, a VP of another firm and they share what they're doing for incrementality, it may not make exact sense for you to do that for your brand. You need to consider sure. your brand, your product and your customers so that you're carving out your own niche strategy and implementation when it comes to incrementality. Um, it's also really important to say to each partner and affiliate that you're working with has a special piece of the pie, right? So while a client or a brand may think that one vertical may be viewed as being more incremental than another, um, it's important to communicate the need for balance to clients, uh, uh -huh. especially if you're going to make any changes. So if we take on an affiliate program and they're working with, you know, a browser extension or coupon and all of a sudden that client wants to make a change and completely stop working with them, there's obviously going to be a drop in last click attributed sales and there's going to be a lot of disrupted relationships. And so having those conversations to see if we could find ways to work together, nine times out of 10, the majority of partners are willing to hear you out and be flexible yeah. and work with you towards those goals. It's like making a pizza, right? If I'm making a margarita pizza, I have my dough, I have my cheese, but if I don't have that tomato and sauce, that's not going to be a margarita pizza. You're not going to have a healthy affiliate program if you're just continuously slicing and dicing based off of assumptions versus the actual data. So that's really important. Um, yeah. And it's also just that open communication. Again, we like to set those expectations up front with clients, with partners. We want to make sure that everyone knows why certain business decisions are being made, what success looks like, and ultimately how we're working towards goals so that we could all work together. Affiliate was built upon building relationships. And so we always try to keep that front and center too, even when we're having some of these conversations, even with partners that may not be incremental towards goals. Yeah. So you're saying that affiliate marketing isn't just um, only working with people with huge lists and getting them to send emails that say buy now. And by the way, throw in some of your own bonuses, which you'll never deliver on anyway, to get them to buy through your link. No. Oh my goodness. If <laughs> yeah, I yeah, could... yeah. You know, you know how many times uh you know, and, and I've bought all the courses in the online marketing industry. I've been through all of them, and uh, you know, and you know, all my friends would be promoting it, and it'd be a matter of any meeny money mo, who's gonna get the three hundred dollars in dough? And uh <laughs> they would come to me and say, Why well, have this extra bonus package? And I have this extra bonus package. And after a while it got to the point of I'd say, I'd say all right, who's been on my podcast most recently? You're the one who gets it because people aren't going to deliver on this shit anyway. I mean, I've, mm -hmm. I've never seen any of these bonuses ever. Yeah. Oh my it's, gosh. Yeah. I, I feel like we're, we're entering a, a slight backtracking area um, where uh -huh. you're up. This is, on this is where, this is where my listeners are. It's why I'm going here. Yep. Yep. I'm seeing a lot on TikTok. I've entered into affiliate marketing within my algorithm, but it is not 
the affiliate marketing that these successful brands that we work with across the industry are doing today. It's the yeah. affiliate marketing where it's buy my course for, you know, $300 or so and post these links. And it kind of gets like a little MLM feel of tw like the 2023 kind of. era. And uh, it, it's certainly cringe worthy um, if that's what the younger kids are saying these days. But uh -huh. I don't think it does diligence to what we're doing actually in the reputable space where we are working with all of these other channels and offering transparency and data to partners that we're working with and clear rules versus, hey, if you drive this number of leads or signups, you earn this type of bonus. While there's some of that, that's the type of affiliate marketing that gives the industry a not a good name that creates those taboos that we squashed before. And I, I hope that there's a continued delineation between that type of marketing versus the stellar innovative affiliate marketing that we're doing today, which is really translated into the partnership marketing ecosystem so it's not yeah. just affiliate it's not those click funnels that everyone on tiktok is talking about where you could earn a ton of money and quit your job and just do that all day <laughs> <laughs> because if that's the case i could have done that too but yeah i would have <laughs> you, you think i want to work for a living i mean come right? on i'm being human here exactly yeah. but it's you know that traditional affiliate there's always going to be your coupon and rewards partners, they have value within the ecosystem or else they wouldn't be here today. It's those content partners and bloggers. We're also having uh -huh. brands emerge performance PR in uh -huh. the space and influencer. And so it's getting, it's turning into its own full funnel experience, which is really exciting. But I also think a little frightening for brands because when you have that full funnel, ecosystem within only one channel, how do you manage that with your other efforts that are going on? How do you manage your organic and how do you manage your in-house influencer and paid search? It, it takes having those conversations, right? The, the paid search manager is always going to want to say that their channel is outperforming another channel, but it's the marketing leaders at these companies that when they understand the full omni-channel experience and what that means for the consumer, those are the ones who are succeeding here, even within incrementality as well. Yeah, well, let's uh, take a, a journey through time here. A few things resonated with me when you took me on your little uh, exploration of what's brought you to where you are with your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. And I remember mm -hmm. when I was in, in undergrad in college, I was a political science major because I still was holding on to this childhood dream that I was going to be president of the United States. Now, in this day and age, I want to be the person who owns a president because I don't want the limelight. I just want to be able to hire another one. But anyway, um, I digress. I, uh, I found myself when I was supposed to be working on term papers and you know studying political science stuff or dealing with this these ridiculous general education requirements that were just three years of high school all over again, mm -hmm. I'd be down in the computer lab. See, oh, I'm really dating myself there. I was down in the computer lab. Wow. So now we're talking like late 1990s. My actual passion at the time was competition auto sound. In other words, putting a mad system in your ride. I had a 1988 Camaro. The system in that vehicle was worth twice as much as the car itself. So I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time, but my thoughts were taking me to how do I customize my Camaro in terms of uh, stealth ground effects and really interesting things I could do with the stereo system, performance mods for the engine. And it led me to a number of companies, some of which are still in business today, that develop things like custom kick panels, custom ground effects, and what have you, for the third generation Camaro and Firebird. I spoke with a couple of these companies, and we actually discussed the possibility of me becoming a distributor. Now, mm -hmm. two things got in the way of me doing that. First of all, uh, when I asked for support from family and friends, they outright told me they would not support me getting involved in some scheme. And and by the way, why aren't you investing in the stock market? Like, you know, I only have enough money right now 
to fund uh, to fund Thursday nights at Penn State. I mean, what do you what do you expect from me here? And uh, and then the other piece of this is that's kind of what I was looking for. Is I was looking to have an additional stream of revenue in addition to the part time jobs I had, so that I would have more money to fund me being able to have more fun in college. And was looking for a way to do that without having to become a salesperson. That was the real block, is that I could have gotten involved in a lot of this stuff, and I probably would have made a really decent amount of money with it, except I didn't have the equipment or the support to understand becoming a salesperson and going out and following those models. This was also when internet marketing was very nascent, and we were still talking about putting uh, X-Links on GeoCities sites and things like that. So mm -hmm. we're going way, way back. But I think what I'm bringing, I'm bringing this up is that, you know, to be an affiliate, I don't want to have to feel like I'm, you know, you know, going out there being a salesperson per se. I'm not looking to be that commission salesperson. I want to create ways where I'm affiliated with brands. Uh, I can represent those brands in some way where it's not like a lot of grunt work, although I understand there is work involved in it, but I can develop one or more streams of revenue that are relatively consistent. Uh, they may not necessarily change my life at first, but they can change my day-to-day, -day, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And yes. that's what I think we're, we're really looking for here. Um, all mentions of huge lists and, uh, and ridiculous bonus packages that never get delivered aside is... Where can our listeners really latch on to, like, where, where do we start with all this? I mean, I think with incrementality, you've defined it in extreme detail. And the way I understand it in one sentence is, rather than going for the big hit, you're developing a systematic process that generates an ever-increasing rate of return over time. Mm -hmm. Am yeah. I right about that? Tell me if I'm wrong. You're allowed. Yeah, I... I... I think it gets a little bit more complicated than that. Um, and while there's no easy way to define it, as I mentioned, I, I definitely would look at it as a concept. Um, I think for brands in particular, it's really identifying what those key points within your customer purchase journey are that are most meaningful for you and optimizing to what those are versus whatever may not be optimizing and actually degrading the performance that you're seeing. I don't want to use the word degrading, but just not meeting expectations, taking right. those inputs and shifting them away into the areas that are most successful for you. So if you have a, a partner that you're working with, maybe you're, you know, giving them some flat fee each month so that they could curate blog posts, but it's not meeting the ROAS goals that you've set out or a new to file rate or what have you. And I would love to get into a few different ways that we actually measure incrementality in a, a more reporting centered way in a moment, but it would be identifying maybe this incremental flat fee that we're giving them doesn't make sense. Should we explore, you know, just increasing their commission? Are they still interested in promoting that? And I think going back to the story that you were talking about for the partner and the publisher or affiliate, there's a lot of interchangeable names that you could use here. Um, they could still find ways to see what's in it for them, right? Like not yeah. all of these tons of hoops that you have to go through or buying a ton of product and then going out and sourcing your friends or your peers oh, to yeah. help promote it, <laughs> yeah. um, working with the brand. And it takes the onus on the brand too, right? And I think that's where affiliate has also changed a lot, where it's not just your publishers working for you. It's that you're also working for your partners, right? Like they're your extended brand voice. And so finding partners that fit within your product, right? Like if I'm managing uh -huh. a beauty brand, I wouldn't go reach out to a car guru that has a, a stellar blog promoting, you know, custom mods for an Audi or a Subaru. I would go out and find a beauty blogger. Whereas I think previously there was a pretty large wide net that we were looking to cast way back when we like to call it generation one days. We, yeah. We've luckily learned from those mistakes and have excelled uh, since then. But finding the right partners, this way you know at least they they talk about what your consumers care about. And today, 
connectedness is one at the forefront of what is so meaningful for brands, right? A simple email just promoting a, a product or a promotion usually isn't going to cut it, especially in 2023. I mean, I don't know about you all, but I certainly can't be spending just on anything because the dollar is that much tighter these days. Affordability yeah. is at the top of consumer mind. And so a customer wants to trust in your brand. How could you leverage your affiliate partners to help build that trust between your product, the brand, and then the actual purchase as well? So I think uh, went off on a little bit of a, a tangent there, but no, it's all good. Uh, if I could do the the TLDR there, it's definitely identifying those right partnerships and working in conjunction with those partners for incremental performance. And I always like to say to a how not if approach as well, like. We never want to turn dark on anyone. We never just want to shut someone off within our partnership because they're not driving the success that we want them to see. Maybe they just don't know what the goals are and they're not set up for success and we miss the mark on communicating. Those are all areas that AP really strives themselves in is wanting to make sure that partners are set up for success from day one. Right. Well, and... For those of us who've been involved in the management side of affiliates in the internet marketing space, uh, it's I think everybody who's listening is going to resonate to a certain degree when I say that it seems like you can get 20 affiliates to promote your launch or what have you. And all those 20 affiliates, really one of them is going to deliver any sales for you at all. And mm -hmm. and 20% of them are going to do 80% of the work. It's really the 80-20 role. And sometimes it's the 90-10 role. And uh, and most of your affiliate lineup is filled out by people. Oh yeah, man, give me my link. I'll promote it. Yeah. And they put a lot of energy because they got to get this link right now. It's like, wait a minute. I asked for five minutes ago. Where's my link? And then they don't actually do anything. Yeah, it's very much about creating that excitement up front, which is usually had, but. As a brand or a managing affiliate agency or what have you, consultant, you have to maintain that momentum with the excitement and keep the partner engaged and seed them content ideas or if there's promotions coming up, making sure that they have all of that so that they could be successful as well. I think with how complex the digital marketing ecosystem has gotten, there's so many different touch points, right? Like you are touched by an ad so much more than anyone could even realize. I think for me working in marketing, I, I realize it more um, than the average consumer, but making sure that you are keeping that up to date with your affiliate partners, those promotions, the content, the lifestyle imagery, how could we cre create that continued brand story with our partners as well? And then once we see that success and they're active and they're driving continuous performance, that's when a brand is going to say, hey, it's time to really understand the true incrementality of this partner or of my channel once it's been live for maybe six months or one year. Um, you have enough data to really dig your hands in and analyze, and um, which will lead me to a point that I wanted to talk about that I mentioned previously but one of the best ways that we actually manage incrementality within the channel is looking at retur return on ad spend, but not just your typical ROAS. We like to identify an iROAS, so incremental uh, return on ad spend. And what that is, is we take what the incremental value is to your affiliate program. It could be your performance lift data, right? So if you deem that, you know, 87% of your performance is incremental, we shave off that rest and we take that revenue um, and divide it by your ad spend. Or if you think that incremental performance is only new to file customers, we manage that uh, formula calculation based on your new customer revenue divided by your total cost. And that gets your IROAS and that evaluation really helps us to better ensure that a client's media budgets are properly scaled with incremental partners, perhaps reduced or reallocated away from partners that aren't driving that value 
But that ensures that we're not seeing diminishing returns. It ensures that we're making sure that we're not cannibalizing efforts in other areas, that we're creating a healthy balance of partnerships that we're working with, but also working within that total client goal as well. Um, As I mentioned, there's a lot of different ways that a, a client or a brand could track incrementality and define incrementality. So there's a lot of tech and tools that go into it. Um, But looking at your IROAS calculation is a great start. If you are someone that is just starting to dip your toes into affiliate marketing and looking at incrementality and defining out what is most valuable for your business, so that you could understand where you're actually seeing that upside and know where to reinvest. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of words there, and that's, that's something I was going to get into is the return on ad spend, particularly um, acting as an affiliate. Now, is it still challenging to even be able to quote unquote get approved to to spend on ads for affiliate stuff? Um, can you clarify? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give you um a personal example. Uh, yep. eleven years ago, I found myself attracted to participate in some beginners program for Facebook advertisers. It's because I'd dabbled in buying Facebook ads to promote my teleseminars and webinars. And I complained that they were rejecting my ads for really stupid reasons. So he said, oh, we have this program. Uh, You participated in it for a month and you commit to spending um, an average of $50 per day. Uh, So I, I tried it and they hooked me up with an ad rep and I got actually some success with it. And then I notified the rep that Hey, I'm uh, going to New Jersey for the weekend, uh, so uh, I'm going to spend more money next week. And they said, okay, cool. And I come back Monday and find out I've been terminated from the program because I didn't spend $50 those days. Like, no, you told me an average. No, Mm -hmm. no. And then I ended up getting connected with, um, I'm going to say the guy's name out loud, Ron Goforth, because he's one of the dumbest idiots I've ever run into in my life. Um, and, uh, and the reason I say that is because he was some manager that I was connected to there. And he tried to tell me that, uh, that I had been banned from the program for affiliate marketing. And I said, I don't do affiliate marketing. And he, he went through my website, said, oh, I see you have testimonials for your services. Well, you know, uh, people who have testimonials, that's how we know they're affiliate marketers. Oh, and when somebody when we tell somebody they're an affiliate marketer and they say, no, I'm not an affiliate marketer, that's how we know they're an affiliate marketer. Totally vapid. He, he got fired from his job anyway. But, uh, but uh, it leads to this other larger issue that uh, they, the networks were really actually extremely, at the time, reticent about affiliate promotions and the reason being having to do with multi-level marketing in fact one of my complaints was is that one of my ads had been shut down because they falsely accused me of multi-level marketing and uh i said no this is an mlm but by the way here's a screenshot of this ad this ad this ad this ad that you approved and these people were doing mlms and they try to say and they try to say don't question our decisions you will you will respect our decisions i said no i will not respect your decision and that's how I got connected with their little $50 a day program because I think they saw I was going to make a big deal out of it because I was because I felt like I spent their money and they ripped, I spent my money and they ripped me off. I had a very sour taste about the whole thing and I have not invested in social media advertising since. I featured people who are experts in social media advertising on my show because mm-hmm. I want to make that resource available to my listeners. However, I won't do it myself. Is there any mm-hmm. reason I should reconsider? Um, I think where the industry has gone over the past 10 years, it's definitely separated itself in a way from social media advertising. So what we're primarily focused on and and what I have been excited to talk about today is just the affiliate marketing side of it. Not if you were running affiliate marketing, like promoting a brand through paid search within one of the social media platforms that you do. Uh Um, Typically, that doesn't happen as much anymore. Um, It's definitely changed over the past few years. And it would require just brand approval to be able to run that. But I know that there's been a lot of learnings that the social media networks have taken over the years for some of the exact examples that you mentioned just previously around how they actually oversee 
their bid ads and what you're promoting and what their terms and conditions are, which I think still need to be worked out. There's still a bit of distrust with the social media platforms, whether if you're running, uh-huh. you know, paid ads or what have you, but um, it's not as prevalent in today's industry, so to say. Right. Um, what the idea we- with the idea of using social media advertising is not as prevalent. Is that what you're saying? Yep. So what we typically see, I'll give you an example of what we do see. It's, um, and as the affiliate channel, we kind of separate ourselves from that, but we do allow our partners. So say if I'm a mom blog and I love to talk about cooking and different products that I use, say if I wanted to go out and promote Crate and Barrel, Uh I could go out and boost my own ad that I created to drive traffic to a blog post that may have a product roundup. That's definitely common in today's age where it's promoting your, your blog through your social media and then driving traffic from the blog to a crate and barrel, so to say. So a, crate, that's a, where, crate, a crate and barrel being the product. Is that what we're saying? Precisely. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's where we see the convergence of social media and affiliate marketing today. So it's, it's definitely changed. And I think that's why there's been a lot of uh, adversity that the affiliate channel has had to go through over the yeah. years is because of those bad taste in the mouth right and yeah a lot yeah, that, of- yeah that one was enough to make me vomit i mean <laughs> I, I mean uh you know i even mentioned the guy's name because i was considering suing him for libel yeah there uh there's definitely been a, a rocky start and i think yeah. you know it was the wild west back then like there uh-huh. there were some rules there were no rules there was no way that you could accurately you know manage those types of terms and conditions or what partners were doing or what platforms were doing. So it was very much what I like to say the wild west times where now it's very much more regulated. Um, You know, the FTC audits everything in terms of what you're doing for any type of paid marketing. Yeah. So I think both brands, platforms, partners, there's much more regulation and safety for everyone involved. So those types of situations don't happen today. Right. Right. So, uh, and again, I'm asking these questions because this is what's on my listeners' minds. I, I, I know what my listeners tell me when they write to me and I have conversations with them and such is that, uh, and right around that same time that that thing happened 11 years ago. And I told somebody the story and said, well, you, they said, well, well, what are you doing to, earned the privilege of showing Facebook that you are worthy to be on your platform. And I said, I've got money. I'm the customer. <laughs> if I want to buy ads, I'll buy ads. They don't want my money. I'll go somewhere else. Take your idea that I have to impress these people and dump it in Lake Mead. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah. and, and, I, and I bring that up because I also know that over time, over the few years that you know, follow that well incrementally. A lot of people got that attitude. Well, if it, well, Facebook is going to give us that much trouble with their advertising platform. Hey, there are other platforms that will take our money. We'll go there. We're the customer. We have the money. We don't have to earn the privilege of spending our money. We earned it. We'll spend it. I mean, uh, yeah, because because my my thought about this for years is uh, I'll take my money and throw it in the gutter if I want to because it's mine. Yeah, I I definitely I hear you on that. Yeah, not um, not that not that I would do that, but I just wanted to really radically underscore the point that I'm supposed to earn the privilege of uh, giving an advertising network my money. Well, forget that. I'll find an yeah. advertising network that'll take my money. Yeah, it's definitely uh, changed of what it is, uh, what it was then versus yeah, because you, yeah, you don't yeah, really, you don't really hear these stories now. And my interest in having you on this show, Chelsea, is actually I wanted to surface people's frustrations with this, which is why it seems like I've come back to this a sec a couple times, and this will be the last time I do, and just to show that taking a different approach when we talk about incrementality and looking at the other variances and ways of bringing visitors to web pages to social media and brand ambassadorship and some of the other trends in terms of what we call affiliate marketing 
And, and we're a bit beyond, I think, at this point, the idea of finding people with big lists to mail on certain days. I, I think that mm -hmm. is kind of, I mean, it still exists, but not to the degree it used to. And, uh, and what I'm also seeing is people using a new form of brand ambassadorship, where mm -hmm. in some cases it goes beyond, uh, I mean, with our, like with our, our podcast reach system, where we launch podcasts for entrepreneurs, part of the package is you get a commercial that you can splice in with your episodes. It says, this episode of the such and such podcast is brought to you by, and the reason we have our clients do that is because a, their business paid to launch the podcast. So they're automatically an advertiser and sponsor and B, we want them to show prospective sponsors and advertisers that they're already set up as far as mechanisms to accept advertisers and sponsors. It's just a matter of let's make a deal. But I'm hearing, and I'm actually starting to see this with a couple of our clients, a different form of brand ambassadorship. Where rather than saying, uh, this episode is brought to you by our partners at X, they will, within the natural flow of their conversation while hosting that podcast episode, talk about something like let's say uh, let's say i was an affiliate for um active campaign for instance just in this conversation i would uh, take you through like a three-minute dissertation of how i use mm -hmm. active campaign to segment uh which of my subscribers i feel may be optimized for such and such an affiliate offer and how I might look at subscribers that have become disengaged and maybe they're disengaged because they're not looking for what I'm selling, but how do I find what they might buy and offer that as an affiliate or as a partner? And look, I actually kind of just did what I said. <laughs> yes. Um, you're, you're definitely right that it has very much changed and there's so many different avenues that you could take in terms of finding the right, affiliate partner for sure and how how it's being promoted exactly as you you gave a perfect example where even within the podcast marketing world there's so many different ways that you could find a partner to work with and how you are able to effectively promote them through that podcast medium to listeners it could be a 30 or 60 second ad roll at the top of the podcast or mid podcast yep. it could be sponsored by a particular brand right like Barstool Sports is really big on that, where they actually have pod podcast sponsors where maybe they host their podcast from a particular restaurant or they particularly focus that topic of podcast around, you know, a, a, a specific brand, so to say. So there's a lot of different ways that you could do it. You could even just say, you know, on this podcast, we're going to talk about, you know, X, Y, and Z website platform here's a coupon code so that your your first month, you know, free trial uh, is actually extended 90 days versus the regular 30 day free trial, so to say. So there's a lot of those different mediums that could be really practical in terms of affiliate marketing. And that yeah. certainly could be a, a whole other podcast for another day of how to find the right affiliate partners that work within your brand and ecosystem and what are some creative ways to to work with them but i right. also want to just make sure that we we talk to listeners about if you are in affiliate marketing today like what does it actually look like in terms of measuring incrementality and what some of the right. affiliate technology tools are today especially if there's ones that have the perception that it is you know the old facebooks of the world that kind of had that same experience that you did because I, I absolutely want to make sure that listeners know that that's not what this industry is today and it, it's definitely curated a lot of integrity with brands and with clients and with publishers such as yourselves that were working in the space um, and it's not just your Googles and Facebooks of the world where you were running search ads to go to a, a website and then converting um, so a few, I'll chat a little bit about tracking platforms um, to make sure that we have listeners understand what they could look at if they are interested in getting into affiliate marketing or if they already are, how could they leverage some of those platforms to better inform incremental strategic decisions too. Um, so a few of those, and it, it first starts with your tracking platform, right? So 
some of the uh-huh. listeners may have heard of share a sale or commission junction you know oh yeah partner eyes is another one impact a win there's a lot of them globally but these are the SaaS and performance tracking partner uh, tracking platforms that we leverage in the affiliate marketing space today. So this is where all of the data is being fed to from those affiliate links where we're able to see performance by partner, performance by product, by day, by month, looking at what our ROAS is, our AOV. So that's the another first step of making sure that we're able to have an effective incrementality strategy is getting all of that data in one place to be able to measure it. A lot of these platforms have really sophisticated technology where you're able to feed in your cross-channel data as well. So they're they're actually capturing paid search, email, organic, direct uh, display so that you have a view all in one shot and you're able to set up some pretty sophisticated reporting and commissioning tactics that reward on those outcomes that you're looking to see. So again, if you know, new to file or new customer is important to any particular brand, maybe you pay double on that um, versus what your your typical baseline commission payout is, because that's yeah. what's most meaningful for you. A brand could back that number into a uh-huh. CAC metric in their IROAS and make sure that they're not totally exceeding their budgets, but they're actually rewarding on those most meaningful uh, performance deliverables within the platform. And you also can't have a robust incrementality strategy without having a robust marketing attribution measurement tool. So it, for example, if a customer is exposed to a display ad and an email campaign, but the customer only converts after seeing the email campaign, marketers can note this piece of collateral and be able to then say that email drived a bigger role um, in driving that sale than the display ad. Well, every brand will have a different opinion on this. And this is just an example. You're able to then measure the effectiveness of each of those touch points. And so brands use internal and external reporting readouts, such as they call them MMM, so a mixed media model and multi-touch attribution measurement so that they're able to see what are all of these touch points based on what they deem is most meaningful to them. So you also look at it cross-channel as well. It's not just within one channel. So you could work with like a Rockerbox or a Looker, Adobe. Um, GA4 is a hot topic these days. So um, you could also leverage those types of reporting suites to see your data and how it's really talking to the performance that you're looking to see. There's also a, additional tech tools. So a few that come to mind, Namagoo and Clean.io are some great examples where they have proprietary tech stacks that allow us to um, conduct either like a toolbar holding and measurement or identify like if this pop-up didn't happen is that going to affect the customer journey as well? So they're able to actually measure if action A did not happen, what is the actual outcome that they're looking to see? And then the last one is your affiliate partners overall. So all of these partners that you're working with, they have their own affiliate technology these days. Um, They are able to target to the customers that you want to effectively work with and that you want to increase your relationships with. They could conduct their own email sends and they could conduct, you know, different types of social media promotion where they're doing lookalike audiences and really looking to mimic the the brand customer that they want to get in front of. And so these are just a few different pieces of the technology that's within affiliate marketing today that is definitely much more cutting edge than that generation one wild west affiliate days where it wasn't as transparent and didn't have all of this clarity to the data for you to effectively manage that affiliate marketing program and drive that incremental value that brands want to see the the worst thing that anyone could do is put a bunch of effort into something and it not drive what you want it to do, right? If you're going to the gym every single day and you're watching what you're eating and that you're not losing weight or you're not meeting your fitness goals, what have you, it's going to be frustrating. That's what happens in affiliate too. If you're not actively being able to measure your inputs and your outputs. Yeah. I think there's something to that. Now, what I got out of it 
what you just said is looking at some clues and some indicators because you mentioned different modalities of promotion whether it's mm -hmm. social media posts whether it's emails whether it's your podcast or what have you and looking to measure which ones are you know have the relative largest return on investment which ones seem to have the greatest engagement and any other measurements you use so what immediately popped into my mind is well what if i noticed that i seem to be making the most sales when i send emails so mm -hmm. would I then consider the possibility of doing a pivot where my other marketing activities focus on capturing and continually re-engaging my email list? Because that sets me up for success with the promotion. Yep. It's a, a great question to ask. And I think it's a question that many of our, our clients ask themselves, right? Each one has that different sweet spot, right? Um, it could be uh, affiliate, it could be paid search, it could be email. Um, but I believe I mentioned at the top of this call, the brands that are really succeeding with all of this are the ones that understand that each of those channels still has that value. And if you are not introducing new customers, so to say, a lot of the times, you're getting those robust email marketing lists from people that purchased your product or signed up for a promotion. How are you then actively re-engaging them? Or, you know, how are you acquiring them in the first place? It may be another channel where you're acquiring those partners, which is affiliate, um, but then you're able to take those emails and then run robust remarketing campaigns so that you can ensure the lifetime value of that customer is effectively captured over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and because it is, you hear so many times that list size is, well, sometimes it has the same meaning as other types of sizes. Like say, for example, um, if you have a bigger car, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to drive any better or you're going to get to your destination mm -hmm. any more effectively or efficiently with any more fun. But at the same, but at the same time, uh, and you, you also hear about these things say, well, I have a small list, but my list is highly engaged. I get 50% open rates and I convert on every offer I make. That's awesome. Uh, that's the kind of list I'd rather have. I'd rather have, yeah. uh, I'd rather have more engagement and more sales. So it's great to go forth and create a large amount of subscribers, but then what do you do with them? Exactly. And then, and now we have to look at questions of well, what happened. This is something I'm, ex I'm, I'm exploring in my own business as well, because my business is working with entrepreneurs to launch your podcast. So if I have somebody on my list that I acquired through a book giveaway or through some kind of joint promotion, or because I, I offered a new special report guide, or they joined one of my Facebook groups or something like that, that's awesome. But if they're not going to launch a podcast or they don't have a podcast, then what do I have to offer them? And now we get into the segmentation. And if they came to me because they had an interest in podcasting, but they don't need what I'm offering, what could they need? Mm -hmm. yeah. And that leads me to almost think of, well, they may want to use their podcast and look at it from a monetization perspective. How can I get affiliates? How can I get affiliate commissions through this? How can I become a brand ambassador? How can I get advertisers and sponsors? And this is where looking at something like your company might be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we work across many, many different sectors and verticals. We work within the retail space, the B2B space. We've launched some really unique client partnerships over the years where we're even promoting uh, different mechanisms of boosting brand ad spend or creation of new new website platforms, what have you. So yeah, we, we work at Acceleration Partners across many different verticals, um, B2B, your typical retail, D2C, marketplace. And there's definitely uh, an opportunity for almost anyone out there if you're interested in affiliate. Right, absolutely. So what I would encourage everybody to do here right at the top of the hour is check out Acceleration Partners. Their website is actually pretty easy to find. It's www.accelerationpartners.com. And you can discover how they not only create these partnerships, but also create the exceptional measurable 
outcomes because I'll tell you candidly that you know, I myself, I'm no good at mathematics or understanding statistics or anything like that. I usually pay other people to do that for me and explain to me in a very simple way. And this is what Acceleration Partners can do for you as you explore how to create, whether, you, whether it's partnerships or streams of revenue, advertisers, sponsors, uh, the ability to become a brand ambassador, the ability to acquire brand ambassadors, or however we're going to create multivariate ways of growing our businesses and growing our revenues using incrementality. Did I use enough big words there? <laughs> I You did a perfect job. Yep. All that right. is absolutely what we do, do best. We love data and that's we're here to make it easy for you. Yeah. And fun and fun. Absolutely. Because if you don't have fun with it, you're not going to do it. And once again, I'll give you the website. It's www.accelerationpartners.com. And when you contact them, just uh, tell them you heard Chelsea Holt on the Business Creators Radio Show. I, full disclosure, I get nothing for that, but I do like to help. So, Chelsea Holt, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and believe me in education. Thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate it. And, yep, uh, we love our incrementality and our affiliate and partner marketing. So we're, we're here for listeners' needs. We trust you enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.